Rosa Parks would not be moved. It was Thursday afternoon, and she had just completed a long day's work as a seamstress in a downtown department store. When she boarded the bus, Parks located a seat in the first row of the African-American section, only to be ordered to move a few minutes later to accommodate a boarding white passenger. As Parks continued to sit, the bus driver got the police involved, who placed her under arrest. Word soon spread around town, and a few were ready to act. They had waited for the day when the city's bus laws could finally be challenged in court, Edie Nixon later remembered. I have told the press time after time that we were doing these things for years before December 1955. But all they wanted to do is start at December 1st and forget about what happened. They say that Mrs. Parks is the lady that sat down on the bus and then they wanted to start talking about what happened December 5th. But that leaves a whole lot of folks out and ignores a lot of what was done over a long period of time to set the stage. Those who had set the stage in Montgomery did not waste any time seizing the moment. Clifford and Virginia Durr joined Nixon in bailing Parks out of jail. They then went to her apartment where they talked with Parks and her husband at length about the possibility of making her arrest a constitutional test case of bus segregation. She agreed to move forward legally should she be found guilty in court the following Monday. After a little more than a year in Montgomery, Parks arrest thrust King into the front line of a local movement for civil rights. His theological discussion of evil would become much more than rhetoric bolstered by occasional reminders of the ugliness of racism in the segregated South. He would experience a daily battle facing weapons as varied as the spoken word, letters, phone calls, and even bombs. Pushed into the role of spokesperson for the newly formed Montgomery Improvement Association, MIA, King flourished galvanizing the African-American community with his inspired Holt Street address. Behind the scenes, King continued to lean upon and learn from the people of Montgomery, who were the backbone of the movement. Without the organizational efforts, commitment, and examples of Nixon, Joanne Robinson, and Mary Fair Burks, coupled with the daily sacrifices of the people, the bus boycott would have never happened, and King might well have settled into a reflective and secure career, never personally engaging the battle himself. Because the people of Montgomery were willing to walk, King had the opportunity to lead. Joanne Robinson was better prepared for this movement than King. When she heard of Park's arrest, she went right to work, laboring through the night, mimeographing thousands of flyers describing a one-day bus boycott on Monday, December 5th. Her statement explained that another African-American had been arrested for not yielding her seat to a white person, noting that it was the second such arrest since the Claudette Colvin case that spring. Robinson charged, Negroes have rights too for if Negroes did not ride the buses, they could not operate. Three-fourths of the riders are Negroes, yet we are arrested or have to stand over empty seats. 
in an attempt to personalize the situation. She continued, The next time it may be you or your daughter or mother. The note encouraged every Negro to stay off the buses Monday in protest of the arrest and trial. Don't ride buses to work, to town, to school, or anywhere on Monday. Her task was urgent if she was to circumvent any conservative impulses on the part of Montgomery's African-American ministers, many of whom tended to be reticent to take such bold steps.